Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents Revolution, featuring your host, Heisey Lutmers. Thank you for listening this morning. It's nice to have you virtually here. Uh, and I'm once again joined by my co-hosts, Mildred Lynn McDonald. Hello. John Carousella. Good morning. And Deb Carousella. Good morning. And the topic for the roundtable this morning is something that is actually related to uh, part of a larger conversation that you'll be hearing a bit later with my guest, Linda Wiley, in our conversation Um, But one of the things that we kind of talked about there and I wanted to explore a bit more here in the roundtable is the idea of the sacredness of the body. And so one, I would ask, you know, when you hear that phrase or that term, the sacredness of the body, what does that mean to you? What does that bring up for you? And have we lost connection to what the body actually is and how it is? a part of our experience rather than just this physical vessel that is somehow separate from our experience. Sometimes I think that our society has basically categorized the body into, you know, some factions see it only as the thing to help make babies. Uh, Some people only see it as the thing that serves to have sex. Um, Sometimes we only think of it as the thing that helps us to do things in the world. It's the physical laborer for us. Um, But we often hear the phrase body, mind, and spirit. And is that phrase implying that those three things are somehow separate from each other? Or is there more of an interconnectedness? Because we would often think of the spirit as sacred, And I don't think that people would have an issue around kind of grasping that concept. But can we apply the same thing to the body and also see the body the same way? Um, And, you know, if we're able to see that sacredness, then are we also able to then see the sacredness of every physical body around us? Other people, plants, the earth, animals, etc. Because when we do that, we start to see them and interact with them very differently rather than just an animal is a physical form that is to be hunted and eaten and is somehow inferior to us as a human or the earth is something that is just things to be used rather than the physical form and the body of a living being that we need to interact with and honor the same way we might with another human being in front of us. 
So that was kind of the background and impetus for the uh, for the uh, topic of the roundtable today. So the the first thing I think I'll throw out there to my fellow co-hosts is when you hear the term sacredness of the body, uh, what does that mean to you or what does that bring up for you? When I hear that phrase, the first thing that comes to me is that the body is holy. And the other thing that came in for me is if you take the word sacred and change the letters around, you get the word scared. And I always find that interesting because if you look at the body as being holy, and then today in, in today's society, a lot of people are scared of their bodies. And that brings me to a comment that was made by Dr. Glenna Calder, and she asked me at one point, are you friends with your body? So that's what the sacredness means to me. Basically, it comes down to, are you friends with your body? And I think that we certainly see that in our society because people freak out about nudity, about, you know, a child seeing something uh, of uh, the naked body, whether it's at the beach or on TV or whatever. Of course, we could get into a whole argument about nobody makes a big deal about how many times they see people shooting each other on a TV show. But my goodness show a breast and suddenly it's like, you know, the end of the world and end of civilization. And so I think that's that's how that word sacred has gotten misconstrued and has gotten compromised and twisted around to become scared. And therefore, we've lost that sense of the holiness of the body. So anyone else, when you hear that phrase, what comes up for you? Well, I see. I think um, I react in two different ways to that. There's there's a part of me that um, reacts in a not exactly a negative sense, but in a in a put off kind of sense. Um, the for some reason when I hear the sacredness of anything, whether it's the body, the soul, um, I I immediately get a there's a little bit of a I push away from that. For some reason, there's there's a part of me that doesn't want to entertain that the um, there it seems to me there it's people use the word sacred as sort of a catchphrase without truly understanding what it means I think and that's why my there's an initial reaction in me that doesn't like that it seems false. It seems phony. And I don't believe that things aren't sacred because I do believe that they are. And I, going to your other aspect of the question, mind, body, spirit, are they three different things? Um, yes, I do believe they are three different things, but they are completely integrated. Um, it's impossible to have one without having the other two. And the other, there's no sense for me that any one of those things has a greater priority or relevance than the others. The soul, as far as I feel for myself, is no more important than the mind or the body. They are all equally important and involved. So I don't believe that one is any more sacred than the other. And so when I hear the phrase, the sacredness of something, there's a little part of me that immediately wants to defend that 
that that's not relevant that that because there's no um more importance for that piece than the other piece I wouldn't think that there's one that's more important than the other, but I think that the body has lost all importance in our society and has simply been relegated to either uh, a baby-making-slash-sex-physical-laborer machine Mm -hmm. or as something bad. Right, which is why I, I, I know... You know, many there are many people who feel as you do that you you said well, I, you know, you quickly said I don't think one is more important than the other, but I don't believe that the majority of the world of the people in this world automatically go there. I think the second part of what you just said, where it's like I think many people just simply relegate the body in particular to this base level is something that is. It's just clay. It's just our vehicle. It's just the body has no real relevance. It's our means to an end. Um, Just like the earth has no real relevance. It's just this thing that we're here on while we experience this part of our soul moving on to its next thing. I don't believe any of that. I don't feel that that's correct. And I feel that the... The, uh, the problem with the majority of the thinking world actually feeling that way, that becoming the mindset, is why we're in the state that we're in now, where we have the difficulties and the problems and the we find ourselves on the brink. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Well, um, for me, the sacredness of the body uh, couldn't be more resonant. Uh, I think we are given this precious instrument that is so so beautiful and and sophisticated, and we get to experience this reality through this instrument in such delightful ways. So you know, even you know, so interesting ways. Even when it's not comfortable, it's fascinating to have a body and. It grows, it heals itself, it does all this stuff that, you know, if you simply take it, you know, like as I see you mentioned in your opening comments, take it for granted and and treat it as as just this thing that you're using or Deb is using means to an end, you, you know, you miss the profound beauty, the the aesthetic potency that comes from having a body and experiencing reality through it. So I think it's amazingly sacred. So what would you suggest as a way that we can start to, and this is out to everyone, that we can start to come back into connection with our physical form and start to see it and treat it and work with it in a way that is more honoring and more sacred rather than just as a physical thing? Well, the, if, I may, if I may jump in, uh, Raina Satori Stewart, who teaches um, contact dance and contact improv dance uh, down in Santa Cruz, um, she said to me once in an interview, um, the body is the perfect instrument for measuring the now. Because the mind can be, and usually is, in the past or in the future, 
And the soul is, you know, spirit is all over the place. But the body can only be in one place, and that is in the right now. So if you think of it as an instrument and as something that keeps you anchored in the present moment, if you value either either one of those things, having a fine instrument at your disposal uh, and or being in the present moment, your body is the is the perfect tool for that. So, you know, whenever I think of being in the now, whenever I think of what it's like to to be present to my experience, I bring myself into awareness of my body. One of the things that we need to understand is something that I see touched on in his opening comments is the perception of what bodies are and how people as a group, as a society, as a culture, react and um, expect the body to be represented. And, you know, the way we represent, the way we Photoshop, the way we advertise, um, how we use the body to, and the images of the body to paint pictures and warp people's perceptions. We need to be much more aware of that, <clears throat> whether we're aware of it in the, in, in the change of how we do it, how we allow that to happen, or as if we are aware of it from a personal point of view as to what we are actually seeing, what we're actually being bombarded with, and what, how it is an attempt to manipulate us. And I think if, if we have more awareness of that and we um, don't allow ourselves to be dictated to by either the, the you know, mainstream media that wants to sell us something or the people who want to police our thoughts and our moral landscape, um, that we understand that the body is a thing that is intrinsic to life and everyone and everything has a form and that form is unique and perfect for each individual and, and each being. And for myself, if I was going to offer a tip, a practical tip on how to restore the vibration of sacredness of the body I'd like to offer to refuse to have a negative thought about your body, to train yourself to refuse to have a negative thought about your body. And one way to do this is to have a little conversation and say to yourself, well, this is how my soul chose to manifest and express itself on the earth plane. My compass is my soul. I trust my soul. So I trust my body. So if you look at your compass as being your soul expressing itself on the earth plane, then the external voices of the media and whatever messages become very small and you're listening and you're connected to the really the only voice that matters and it's your voice to your higher self. So I, I've been doing that and I can honestly say, and I know that my co-hosts are going to laugh at me, that I do not have one negative thought about my body. Wow. My body is my best friend, 
I don't always treat my body well, and then I have to make it up to my body. Yeah, I, I hear <laughs> that. Like, which is usually quite pleasant. Which means, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the key point is, what makes all the difference is that I chose to listen to my inner compass rather than the external messages in reference to the sacredness of the body. And I think that speaks to the body as well, because if we lose connection or if they are static in the lines for us hearing that inner voice, our body is the external compass that helps to point us back in the right direction, usually by being tired, by getting sick. And so that our body itself can actually, that's where I think we see the sacredness. It becomes a direct link to that higher self because it's the external voice that sometimes has to get our attention when we are in dis-ease or when we've come out of alignment with that inner compass that you're talking about of the soul. Now, the only problem with that, I see, is that the body is such a magnificent instrument. It's so resilient that it can take so much abuse before we actually notice that it's suffering. I don't, I don't think that's a problem. I think that that's just that that higher way of things that of, of how things work to say you know you have free will and we're going to give you plenty of time and pr- plenty of leeway to learn the lesson in whatever way you need to but once in a while you get too far off course and we need to do a, an adjustment we need to do a correction and so if you're not doing that of your own volition then our higher self will step in and say that i need to do something to kind of push you back towards the right direction in a more dramatic way. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and my tip for people, you know, I think that we often speak, uh, I mean, I think we don't think about our bodies until it seems to have a problem. Uh, you know, when it starts to feel tired, when it starts to feel sick. And what I would encourage is to do something where you are making yourself aware of your body Um, on a regular basis, regardless of whether it's feeling bad, but just to experience the body itself, you know, dance or um, go lay out in the sun naked uh, or, you know, well, I'm always about being naked. So it's like, you know, go into the ocean naked or whatever. But, But I think that we're always so covered up that we never experience what the body has to offer us just in terms of that sensory experience. And we don't think about the body so much until suddenly it's having a problem. And so pay more attention, be more aware, and do things to connect and experience your body when it's not sick rather than only when it is sick. So I want to say thank you to my co-hosts for being willing to talk about this. And I want to encourage people to continue listening. We have the astrology segment coming up next, but then I have my conversation with Linda Wiley. And actually, something that John just mentioned, we talk about, um, I talk about with Linda, uh, because a lot of times there is great beauty and uh, it's the discomfort in the body that actually can bring about some of the greatest lessons or insights or things uh, or even healing that we need on much deeper levels. So I would encourage you to stick around to hear that and hear what her experience has been over the past few weeks and how she has um, gone through great discomfort of the physical body, but what great insight and revelations that has brought to her. 
as a result of being with that discomfort and staying present with that rather than just masking it in some way. So thank you very much to our co-hosts, Mildred Lynn McDonald, John Caracella, and Deb Caracella. And stay tuned because after the break we'll have our astrology segment, then my conversation with Linda Wiley. And if you'd like a reading later in the show, feel free to Skype in or call 646-716-5510 and you can get into the queue in order to get a reading. And we'll be right back. Welcome, boys and girls, to your February astrology report with your resident queer astrologer, Tino Kalenda. We start with welcoming in the Lunar New Year of 2014. Uh, We will begin our astrology report with a wild gallop through the introduction of the year of the horse. We will cover everything occurring from the 1st of February to the 9th of March, keeping in mind that often just because a transit may begin on the 1st of the month does not mean we will not be feeling the cosmic echoes of them well into the next month. Expect to see unrelenting and rapid changes in all areas of human endeavor leaps in communication technologies and techniques, and also massive adjustment in social patterns. Individually look carefully at relationships over the next year with a focus on mutual agreements. Expect things to move with swiftness. People will be moving in and out of phase with you over the next year, and conflicts could arise if there is too much investment in things staying the same. As we know, they never do. Embrace the new and innovative, but do keep your wits about you. Life may move fast, but we are built for these times. February 1st, 2014, we will inaugurate the new year with an Aquarius new moon, and Ganymede rides a white horse. We finished out 2013 in some fairly murky territory as the water snake finished its meandering course through the heavens, and now we gallop into the year of the horse on an Aquarius new moon. 
We are better equipped now to deal with the murkiness as this moon infuses our emotional nature with some detachment and objectivity, which lets us rise above the fray and see the bigger picture. It is actually a perfect salvo for the year of the horse, as this moon will roll in like a wild horse and will shake up the heavy atmosphere, lightening it and making things more buoyant. There is, of course, a caveat. We must be careful not to run roughshod over our loved ones as we are slightly less attuned to our impact on others' feelings. And so conflicts could erupt if we fail to be thoughtful. February 2nd to the 25th, 2014, Venus in first. Venus stations and goes direct starting February 1st and conjoins with Pluto. Our Lady of Love is kind of badass right now. As she dons a fur, some thigh-high boots, and some serious punk rock swagger. Capricorn, you see, is the ultimate kingster of all the signs, even more so than his buddy Aquarius. Venus is incredibly pragmatic here and has a mind towards practicality. This last retrograde was largely a doozy for many of us due to its nature. It went through a sign that brings back themes of the past and time. And it wouldn't be surprising if many of us felt haunted by our romantic past. Perhaps we began to revisit old flames and realized that maybe the one that got away could have been the one. It was all about rousting our romantic skeletons and confronted, confronting ways of being in relationship we, reluctant, we were reluctant to face as we looked less than golden in their harsh light. We can thank this Saturn sign for that turn of events. Saturn being time. That said, she is now direct and we are ready to move forward with new horizons in our relating and connecting to others. Perhaps we've become more practical in our approach or have set new standards and are being far more selective than in years past. This is all resonant to the frequency we collectively find ourselves on. January 1st through February 15th, 2014, Venus conjunct Pluto, love changes everything. To add to the energy of the Venus station, we find her emerging back into the light of day with the god of the underworld at her side. This usually speaks to an emergent process of integration at a structural level as Pluto deals with the depths. In this case, it is the bedrock of our ability to relate, which is undergoing massive transformations. We are asked to thoroughly clean our skeletons and lay our past romantic ghosts to rest and let go and purify ourselves of any of our lingering yearnings for the romantic past. We must purify anything that putrefies and rots our heart and touch the base of our heart's innocence once again. Venus is our heart and Pluto is its purity. We must now be pure of heart, sparkling wound and shining scar. The perspective is this. Our heart is actually us breaking open. The mantra could be Leonard Cohen's croon. Forget your perfect offering. Ring the bell still can ring. There is a crack in everything. It's how the light gets in. January 26th through May 31st, 2014, Jupiter Opposition Pluto, Boundary Violations. This transforms aspects with the Venus-Pluto conjunction, having us raise questions around boundaries, lines, 
borders, restrictions, regulations, and distinctions are useful until we deal with the purgative crucible of love. Drawing lines in the sand is nice, but rarely is it ever that straightforward. Relationships are not just agreements, but they are structures, states of being, and the borders of those states can easily be renegotiated at any time, and sometimes from only one of the parties involved, so long as there's mutual agreement. So what happens when there is something that we can agree on? Does that threaten the ground on which we stand? Conflict. And here we are, ambivalence and opposition, all wrapped into a neat little package and then wrapped with a huge flashy bow by Jupiter and Cancer. What can you expect? Possibly some conflict and some obsessive paths seem to want to hold on for dear life. Collaboration and letting go of negative history is absolutely essential to surviving the firepower inherent in this transit. Otherwise, Jupiter will put a big magnifying glass on it and confront you with it until you purge it. February 7th through March 1st, 2014, Mercury retrograde in Aquarius. We'll call this one system failure. Mercury once again goes into the first retrograde of 2014, this time in the social sign of Aquarius. Collective arrangements and future visions go into revision mode. Now is the time to top off the tank, get things repaired, and gird your loins. This retrograde will make friends overscheduled and calling on you for a release valve. Do make those happy hour dates and dish. We review the efficacy of our friendships at this time and seek to root down into the centering effect that they have on our lives. A great time for reviewing old memories and calling old friends and making playdates. March 1st through the 15th, 2014, Jupiter retrograde in Cancer, the heart of innocence. Our boy Jupiter makes a back step on the cosmic hopscotch table into the sign of where he is celebrated with one rager of a party. Don't be shocked to find yourself feeling blown open, sensitive, and very tender. This kind of retrograde can open hearts and allow us to touch our emotional roots. Now is an optimum time to get emotional needs met and to ask our beloveds to hold us and take off some of the load. We may all be cuddlier than normal and may need one of those hugs sometimes turn into lovemaking. And finally, the big transit, March 9th through April 12th, the Pluto-Uranus Square, freeway on-ramp. We approach the event horizon of the Pluto-Uranus Square series going into direct square on April 12, 2014. Currently, we are crossing the singularity in an approach vector. We will inevitably feel the cosmic echoes of being pulled closer to the crucible at the center of this singularity. If the 60s started a revolution, this series of aspects is the other shoe dropping. Collectively, we can expect to see similar movements to Arab Spring, although with far more vigor than we have seen thus far. Expect that it will utilize the same technological channels and be open to the possibility of seeing a series of technical leaps and innovations, especially in the area of communications technology. Existing conflicts may flare up in this on-ramp period, coming to a head on the day of the exact square. 
The power structures will continue to be confronted by individuals demanding justice and will likely be pushed to make concessions. This won't be enough for the fired-up masses as they will demand a remake of society and its currently corrupt institutions. Individually, we will be confronted with what our role is in the cycles of history and we will be called on to reassess what impact we make on remaking society. It's potent stuff, so stay tuned. Well, that wraps up another monthly astrology report with your favorite queer astrologer, Tino Kalenda. Do be sure to read my written version of this at flyingpunkrockunicorn.wordpress.com. That again is flyingpunkrockunicorn.wordpress.com. I also take emails for personal consultations at Kalenda, that's C-A-L-E-N-D-A, dot Tino, T-I-N-O, at gmail.com. Thanks to Tino for our astrology update this month, and we'll look forward to hearing what he has to say next month. Uh, Coming up a little later in the show is your opportunity to receive a reading live here on the air. If you'd like to get in the queue for that, you can Skype in from the show page, or you can call 646-716-5510. So, as you know, I'm Hi-C, and you're listening to Revolution with Hi-C, and we'll be right back. Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We're working hard to be your trusted source for fun, enlightening, and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media, the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us, host a show, or be a guest, or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. 
there's always room for courageous, knowledgeable change makers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested. Send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E, helping you find and shine your inner light. My guest today is Linda Wiley, and Linda Wiley is a certified chef and food therapist, spiritual counselor, Reiki practitioner, teacher, and home artist. For the past 30 years, Linda has had her own restaurant and catering company, created whole food delis, and engaged in healing work. Linda grows her own organic food, herbs, and edible flowers, and is deeply passionate about local, seasonal, and organic living. She creates environments that facilitate health and well-being, food that enlivens the body, mind, and spirit, and helps bring about spiritual understandings that soothe and heal, offering nourishment for the soul so that it can break out of old programming. Linda's work is all about looking within to see life from a new perspective of freedom and liberation. She is an advocate and activist for United Global Noncompliance. Her passion and advocacy highlight the importance of walking our talk, as well as emphasize the idea of community and what it means for us now and for our future. Linda says in her own words that waking up is not an option these days. Either we do so or extinction is a real possibility. So I'd like you to help me welcome to the show today, Linda Wiley. So welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you very much for joining us today. As always, it's a pleasure to have a chance to talk with you. I know we get to hear from you every month, but it certainly is very nice to be able to have a chance to be in conversation with you this time. Thank you so much. And I know over the past couple of months, especially over the holidays, uh, you went through some experiences that probably were not very holiday-like, but certainly brought about some interesting revelations or insights for yourself. And, you know, here we are in February with the month of, of love because of Valentine's Day. And I think that you've found that even giving a title to what you went through, you've connected it to the idea or the concept of love, but certainly in a much greater way than just a Hallmark card on a particular day. So, uh, you know, first I just want to say thank you for being willing to share this fairly personal experience that you've had with myself and with everyone listening. And uh, I think what we'll do is I'm going to let you just give your recount of what it is that you have been through and the insights it's given you. And then once you have done that, uh, we'll have a little bit of a conversation to expound on some of the things that came up uh, in what it is that you're going to share with us. Sound good? That sounds great. Thank you so much. All nice right. So uh, why don't you 
let us know how you feel you wanted to, to title this uh, talk and then from there give us a bit of an account of what it is that you've been through these past couple of months. All right, great. Thank you so much. So I've titled it A Love Story, Illness as a Bridge to Freedom and Health, the Process and the Gift. So I'd like to start with a quote from a, a friend of mine, Marlise Colcare. She's a spiritual teacher, I guess you would say. And uh, this is what she has to say, and then I'll share my, my event. If we are lucky enough, we get so badly disillusioned that life tends to help us to be emptied out of all that is not real so that it can take full seat in this wonderful body as itself. And indeed, I feel that that is what happened to me. So here we go. In December, my body crashed down and stopped working. Nothing could go in and nothing coming out. I had warnings from my body, but I guess I did not take heed. Having done a lot of inner work the winter before, looking into my false beliefs that I carried about who I was, how my kids saw me, how the world saw me, how I felt about things, and realized that these, of course, color the way I see life and the way others see me. They had become my filter through which life happened. We all have them. They are our thoughts about life, self, other, and world. Last winter was a deep time with lots of tears and letting go and reading and spiritual truth, the very inner time. But I gained so much freedom, so much letting go happened. And after a bit of time, I was really, for the first time, able to say I was happy and truly mean it. But the ego mind is very tricky and subtle. And it's easy if we are not present and vigilant to fall into the egoic trance of unconscious behavior, patterns, and thoughts. And so I did get caught within the egoic mind. This winter, I found myself in judgment, anger, the same old pattern once again. Lost in the mind, we live in a fantasy of unreality. Most all thoughts take us down the dead-end road of which I was so familiar. But go, I did. As I look back now at my state of mind, I see that the body had no choice but to say, we have been here before. We were done with this. I gave you warnings, but since you did not hear them, I refused to work for you. I refused to take those thoughts in and digest them one more time. Crash. Pain was unbelievable. Right in my gut. In the middle of my gut. All things have to pass through on the way out. Twisted inside out, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, the pain continued. My distrust of Western medicine grew at this time, for I saw they could not really help me out of this situation. They are ill-equipped to deal with the inner workings of emotions, feelings, thoughts, and beliefs that are the guideposts for true healing. It seems all illness is really the body's calling out to say, hey, we're not doing it right. We need to take a new direction. Looking within where all the programmed world forbids us go, the only way out of the mess we find ourselves in individually and collectively. Connecting with the body and its inner knowings is also the way forward. So, for so much disregard and dishonor do we have for it. We have lost touch with the earth, ourselves, the ancient wisdom, the mystery, and the awe of life. We have let go of all that is sacred. I was humbled to my knees, 
all the wind knocked out of my sails, all control completely demolished. Taking it step by step, slowly listening within, following the wisdom given, was the only healing that was available to me. I found a Chinate Song practitioner, which is an ancient Taoist massage of the internal organs that gives life and fire and puts them back in their proper alignment. Acupuncture, Chinese herbs, energy work, reading non-dual truths of world self and other. I have been on a healing treat of my own making for at least seven weeks now. Always asking the body first what it wanted. This is also deep honor and respect. Muscle testing every food and idea and practice before partaking. Never wanting to dishonor that deep wisdom again or to travel down those dead-end roads of the mind-made self falling into the egoic trance of unconsciousness. I woke up deeply to all I had been knowing for years and it was time to walk the talk and get it deep within the cellular reality. As within, so without. As above, so below. It's all so deeply interconnected. Respect for the wisdom of the ages and for the earth, for what it truly means to heal and be free. To let go of all I had known or thought I knew, for now I stand in the freedom of knowing nothing. And what a relief that is. Judgment kill life. The ego is the tool for this. I had to reprogram the mind that chattered on for days on end, fighting for its life. I had to step up or die, be present, or lose my life in truth. Every judgment is a self-judgment. Every deceit, a self-deceit and every betrayal a self-betrayal. These are deep learnings that we must all see if we want life to be authentic, genuine, and full of love and truth. The heart is the gift of life. Love is what we are. And to apply this after all is seen is what sustains us, keeps us present, so that we do not get swamped into the egoic trance of unconsciousness where most of the world lives. It is what the world of today is showing us. Will we heed this call? This really is the question of our time. So you know the story of the guru and the disciple in the pork soup. The disciple was sick, and in their tradition, pork was not allowed. So when the disciple went to the guru to see about getting well, the guru said, eat pork soup. The disciple could not believe what he had just heard. He refused, and he kept getting worse. Guru said, eat pork soup. Just about on his deathbed, the disciple asked again, and the guru said, eat pork soup. So at last he did, and of course he got well. Got to break out of the closed mindset and judgment to heal. Got to let go of all we think we know, of all we hold dear in some ways, all the things that we think are right. Got to break out to be free. There is no control, and the mind knows nothing. All positions are a waste of time, the stance of the ego. Resistance is futile, unless more pain is what one wants. Is, is, and all the rest is, is story. Deep acceptance of what is, is part of healing. The natural world offers us all we need to heal, and it always has. To heal the world, we must first heal ourselves, because it's all connected. There is no other way that things will change. Until we see that we are all that is, and that means life itself, and that we have been usurped in the process, 
and we look within to heal this within ourselves, all will remain as it is and get worse in fact, for the signs are all around. The earth is deeply calling out, but will we hear, will we step up, as it were, out of the trance and say, no more? All remains to be seen, but know this. The whole of the world is within us, and it all begins and ends within each one of us. May we all find our way to this truth. Each journey to freedom is unique. That's why judgments hold no reality, save in the egoic-driven world of separation. Step within and live the truth. Freedom within is the gift of the healing process. You will know it when it finally shows up, and it's worth all the effort taken to find our way out of the mess of the mind-made self. The alchemical fires of transmutation and transformation are always burning at the edge of awareness, inviting us to step up and step in, where all the dross is burned away and the gold is to be found. It's hot there in front of the fire until we step in and burn, for on the other side are the cool waters of life awaiting our acknowledgement. And to show us how life lived in truth and awe is full of joy and love and peace, acceptance, compassion, and deep gratitude for this mystery that is life. Well, there are certainly some profound nuggets in there that can be chewed on for days, weeks, years, centuries, and millennia. It struck me that one of the things that you were talking about uh, when you kind of said how it was a complete shutdown, breakdown of the body and all of that, it's a very uh, physical, a very visceral example of what's happening astrologically for us because we're in a, a long period from like 2011 through 2015 of a Pluto-Uranus square. And that's all about complete revolution and breakdown of the old ways and it oftentimes is not very easy it's not painless it is something that you know we have to go through in order to continue evolving and move to another level but we often try to avoid <laughs> because we don't want to go through the discomfort of it um, and so well one thing that you had said that I'm wondering if you might be able to help illuminate for people um, you said that your your body had given you warnings leading up to this, but because we tend to live in denial or ignore or not want to have to deal with that at that time, the body gets to a point and says, okay, fine, we're just going to knock you on your back, <laughs> take you out of commission for a while and force this. Um, wh what would you say are some things that were warning signs or how your body was trying to tell you this is what was needed leading up to this and I'm sure it wasn't just in the week prior I'm sure it's been over months and years and that kind of thing prior but for other people what might they pay attention to that has either already happened to them or might happen to them that they could see as warning signs of something has to shift and give I can't keep denying or avoiding this so the the, the deeper wisdom of the body for me, I found myself drifting off into that egoic trance. That's the fantasy that we live in. Of, oh, how that could be, or what about this future thing, or that stupid guy in the past, you know, I hate him, and 
whatever, things like that. We drift off in our mind into some other state and we're not present anymore. So for me, there was several instances of times like that when I was drifting off in my mind and my body went into complete fear. My heart raced. I, I felt so uncomfortable. I was very nervous and the thought came, oh right, I'm not present. I'm in the mind-made self imagining things that have no bearing on reality at all what I'm doing. And as soon as I realized that and I was uh, cooking for a retreat, wandering off in my mind and when I came back, right, chopping my vegetables just here now, all of that went away. And that happened several times over different instances around different things. Oh, right, I'm really just working in my garden pulling weeds. As soon as I called myself back to now, because now is all there is. There is no past. There is no future. There is nothing going on but this now, whatever it is. And to keep calling yourself present helps so much. And it keeps us out of the fault where things get so twisted around people who commit suicide and things like that they're lost in the mind made self going on about something that really is not here now generally speaking and I think that that is really a, a way that people can recognize when that kind of lesson or information or moment is happening on, on the one hand people have to be conscious and conscientious to notice when their mind is wandering in order to be able to pull it back because so go ahead and you can feel it in the body there's discomfort you're not at peace anymore your mind is churning away you're either angry or you know going oh if it only could be different it never will be different than what it is now well right and so whether it's you feel tension in the body uh, or you feel, you know, nauseousness in the stomach, or a headache comes on, or difficulty of breathing, you know, whatever. Those are going to be some of the physical ways that people could notice that they maybe have gotten lost in the mind rather than are staying present. And um, and I think that being able to pull back, I think when people, you know, I, I often hear people say things like, uh, you know, oh, I was doing such and such, and like three hours went by before I knew it. Now, you can tell the difference when, say, you're painting a painting, and suddenly three hours have gone by because you've been lost in that creative space, versus you were washing dishes, usually it's something more mundane, washing dishes or gardening or something like that, and you go, oh my gosh, two hours have gone by. Well, it's because we haven't paid attention to where our mind has gone. But we're finishing the dishes and now we're feeling frustrated or tired or stressed or angry or, you know, whatever. And so I think that it's important for people to be able to, one, make sure they are conscientious about when that is happening. And then, two, they can do what you're suggesting. You have to pull that mind back and just come into the presence of what it is you're doing in that moment and just enjoy what it's like to be washing dishes 
Yeah. You know, what does the feel of the soapy water feel like on your hands? What does the movement of the sponge feel like? You know, that's actually a very meditative practice. And so it helps us to stay out of starting to create all of those stories and everything in our head. Um, another thing that it made me think of, too, when you said that your body had warned you at different times and all of that is something that I think, and I think this touches on the ego aspect as well, but something that I think we're very prone to in our society is just push through it. Right. You know, just Don't pay any attention. Don't look within. Don't worry about those thoughts. And, oh, by the way, just take a pill. You'll be okay. Well, right. It's like if somebody feels sick, they're kind of like, you know, I'm just going to power through it. Or I'm just going to take something <laughs> so that I don't like if somebody takes NyQuil or DayQuil or something, they're going to take something that just masks the symptoms so they can fool themselves into thinking they can keep going. But what they're not doing is they're not being connected to their body and honoring their body in what it's saying is needed. And so what are some of the... Well, I think this goes to because I know that you tend to shy away from the more Western medicine approaches versus more natural herbal and that kind of thing approaches to dealing with illnesses and the body and supporting the body as well, not just when it's sick, but also to help maintain its health and efficiency and that kind of thing. Um, and what are some of the, you know, I think what people need to understand is that when you're working with the natural way of supporting the body, then it's not going to be a quick fix or an overnight change. So you can't pop the pill and then the next day feel better and boom, you keep going. It's taking the herbal remedy over a period of time and you will start to see it helping. It doesn't mean it'll take years, but sometimes no. it'll take days or you know that kind of thing. But honoring that process and recognizing what the natural world is teaching us is this is a healthier way to heal and it's a more sustainable way to heal because it actually creates a body and a system that can avoid getting sick like this again because it's created a natural relationship with what Absolutely. that illness is and where it's coming from. Now, of course, that also means we have to work on the deeper level, but I think that that time that it takes is trying to tell us this is the time you need to go deeper and look at the, the underlying roots of where this physical manifestation is coming from. Like you were saying, judgment, anger, and that kind of thing. Um, can you just give some examples or just give an idea to people about the difference between, say, taking a pill that works overnight versus how herbs and, and the natural way of supporting the body tends to work? Well, first of all, I want to say that we have to remember that when we destroy ourselves, we destroy the earth. And when we destroy the earth, we destroy ourselves. And so being in honor with that process, uh, Western medicine more destroys the body, destroys the self, destroys the spirit, uh, makes us dependent on them, takes us out of touch with our own body and, and what it really needs. So for me, it would be about Food would be a number one priority. Local, organic, seasonal food always. Uh, sugar should be avoided mostly. You know, you can have natural sugars like dates and things like that. But eating a well-rounded, organic, balanced, local, seasonal diet 
<clears throat> helps so much. Herbs, it depends on, on what's ailing you, what supports the immune system, what kinds of things we need. Also, I wanted to say just a little aside, those thoughts like that that wander around in our bodies and we deny and just push them down and push through, we don't acknowledge them, those are the things that cause disease. Those are the things that work around and create cancer. That's why there's so much cancer today is because people aren't willing to look within and take responsibility for their own healing. And in that process, we feel within and we read about herbal things and what they do and how that helps us. And, and then we can start to know what's right for us. There's a very simple way to muscle test your own body. And it's to hold your hands, uh, the way I do it, is over the thymus, my hands are crossed. And, and can you tell people where the thymus is? And so the thymus is between the throat and the heart in the middle of our chest. All right, uh, so, so holding your hands there in that area. The energy centers of the body. So the throat, the heart in the middle of the chest, and the thymus is right between those two. So holding your hands there in that so middle point. Here in the middle, I put them crossed over. And first you have to just take a moment and you have to go within your being, within your body. And sometimes the body is not going to respond right away. I've tried to show a few people about this. And because they so disregard the body, the body doesn't respond. Well, I think so, that the body is responding, but it sometimes responds more quietly or more subtly than what we're used to and if we're disconnected from it then we aren't used to hearing that that lower whispered voice and True. the more we do it the more we'll realize our body is always responding we just weren't hearing it correct so when you stand here <clears throat> excuse me you ask the body to show you a yes and typically it could be different but typically when there's a yes the body leans forward into it. When it's a no, the body leans back. And so I have taken all the things that I think are right, and 99% of the time, the body says no. And so it's, you know, do, do you want to take astragalus as a tincture? Do you want the liver tonic? Do you want the adrenal tonic? Are you... Are we so stressed out? Do we want to take a calming herb? Chamomile. Skull cap. Oh, skull skull cap, yeah. cap. Or do we want chamomile tea? Or would we like some rescue remedy right now? Or is this apple really appropriate at this time? What kind of food do I want to eat? Do I want to eat meat at this time? Do I want to have eggs? Do I want to just eat a simple diet? I mean, I couldn't eat any of the foods that I typically eat and the body wanted everything different, everything new, a total new way of moving forward. So that's how I do it. And online, there's so much information about herbs and when you can see what your symptoms are and you learn to check in, you learn to hear what the body's wanting from you and you check, is this herb what I need? Is, is this what I need? And that is... For me, the only way that we can really do medicine, I don't know how, how medicine, standard Western medicine can do it without checking into the body because they're mostly just guessing. Well, because they're just treating a symptom. And so they look at it as the symptom is the indicator of what needs to be given for the remedy, whereas the symptom 
may be indicating something different for each person's body. And Absolutely. You know, and that's where you see in, in Eastern medicines, like Chinese medicine with the meridians or the pulse or those kind of things, right. they're, they're, you know, you, two people may come in with the same symptom, but they treat them completely differently because they're listening to each person's body rather than just treating the symptom. Now, having said that, I do want to just say one word of caution, that we're not saying that going to the doctor is a bad thing and that you should never go see the doctor if you're feeling ill and that sometimes there is a need and there is a usefulness of Western medicine, but it can be over-relied on and I, and I think probably you too, think it's not something that we should always turn to as the answer when there are other things that could be just as beneficial if not more so. And I agree. And you can also say, is this something for a doctor? You can muscle test. You can ask your body, is this something for a doctor or can I find help through herbs and food and raw juice and, you know, and, listening to my body? And what I, what I found, I, I will also say that this also means that you you can also consult with a professional herbalist or a Correct. professional Chinese medicine person. It doesn't mean we're just doing self-diagnosis and self-treatment all of the time on our own. Um, but uh, there is that sense of, um, well, one thing that I've found is actually if I tend to focus more on the natural approach to the body, and whether that means with herbs or Chinese medicine or acupuncture or just a ver variety of different Things. All those are, are viable, absolutely. But I've also found that that usually means that if Western medicine approach is needed, it tends to work much more quickly and much more effectively because my body hasn't built up a resistance or hasn't gotten used to something so that it takes much more for it to be able to respond to the Western medicine versus it's it's in alignment with working in conjunction with Western medicine and therefore Western medicine can actually be more effective. And I'm not inundated by having to take something at a stronger strength or for a longer period of time versus being able to do it for a shorter period of time or at a lesser dosage because it will work much more effectively because I've already established a bodily system that is able to work with that in a an efficient and successful way. So are you talking about like you're already healthy in a way? You already are connected with your body and I well, think say if you say if you have pneumonia and you're really sick, yes, you want to go and get an antibiotic and, and you want to make sure that you're fine. Maybe you even have to go in the hospital. Right. But when you get out of the hospital, it's uh, for to look deeper in as to why you got that, how you can build your immune system, what kind of foods would be better for you to support your body so that the pneumonia doesn't have another inroad in. Right. And also so that... If, if I've been doing those things prior to that, so that every time I get a cold or every time I get a bit of the flu, that if I've been uh, treating that naturally rather than always running to the doctor and yes. always taking a pill, that if I've been treating that more naturally, my body has gotten used to doing that. So when there is an extreme like pneumonia, 
even if I'm using Western medicine, it's going to work quicker and more effectively because my body is stronger having used natural methods prior to that. Um, and, 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 I, and I will just use that to kind of puncture that fallacy that people have when they hear people like us talking. We're not utopian people where we think that, oh, if I just take herbs, I'm never going to get sick ever. Yeah. It's like, you know, you still will get sick, but usually it's because it's your body trying to tell you something. And, you know, whether it's you've been pushing too hard, you haven't been getting enough rest, or, you know, you've been lost in anger for the past three months, and so now we're going to, you know, try to get you to see what that is really doing to yourself rather than to anyone or anything else you've been angry at. But it's not this kind of utopian way of thinking that says, because I hear people say that sometimes, well, how come that person got sick? They take herbs all the time. I thought you said if people take herbs that that'll help to support them more naturally. And I'm like, well, yes, but there's many factors. And, you know, right. but, but they can help to be able to move through things quicker, uh, to heal in a more holistic way so that you're not as prone to get something in the future or it's not as severe in the future. Um, so I just wanted to also toss that in. <laughs> you know, it, it's, a, it's, a balanced, it's a balanced reality. Right. It's about learning when, when you need certain things and when actually other things are calling. Like uh, I will share an example. For me, I was in so much pain at one time in the beginning of this process and so worried I actually called an ambulance. But the ambulance came and all my vital signs were good. And so they wouldn't take me because there was no emergency. And so for me, that was life working with me because had I gone to the hospital, perhaps they would have done an operation and, and it's not what I needed. So as we listen in more closely and as I gained more presence by feeling better and following the body, I could participate in my own healing in a very different way than had I gone to, to the hospital, so to speak. So, Well, and that was your willingness I'm saying, to... I'm definitely not saying not to go. We always, even people who are awake, even people who are enlightened, so to speak, it's just a shift in perspective. You can still die of cancer and you can still get in a car crash. And But, but also it's, it shows that you were willing to listen to what your body was saying because you called the ambulance because at first we may be listening but not hearing properly. Right. And so we call the ambulance thinking our body is saying there's something wrong. And it's natural to think I need to go to the doctor, call an ambulance, whatever. But then when they come and they say, well, all of your vital signs are fine. And a lot of people, this is kind of that forcing through. A lot yeah. of people would say, no, I know there's something wrong. So even if the ambulance wouldn't take them, they still would have gone to the hospital on their own. And instead, what you did is you stepped back and you said, now wait, so if if all of my vital signs are good, and what is my body then trying to tell me? What does my body actually need? Not, I think I know what it needs, so I'm going to go ahead and go to the hospital anyway, versus I did what I thought it needed. And here, isn't it interesting, it's very similar to what you were saying, like with the foods or the herbs and things that you needed. 99% of the time, it was like everything that you thought you should eat, It kept your muscle testing kept saying no. And it wanted all new things. And here it's kind of like saying, well, but if I'm in this much pain, I need an ambulance and maybe I need to go to the hospital. And basically what your body said was, uh, but no, 
You know, right. the vital signs were fine, so that's kind of like they were muscle testing for you, saying, you know, no. <laughs> I felt that the universe or life or whatever was looking out for me, that I had entered into a deep process, and that wasn't what was being called for, going to the hospital or doing like that. That's not what life had in mind. Life wanted me to look inside in a deeper way at this particular time. It wasn't about, this time it wasn't about going to the hospital. It was actually stepping back and feeling that pain and looking into that pain and understanding the message of the pain, what it was showing me. Well, and and, and what a lot of people would do is they don't want to experience the pain or the discomfort. And so you are willing to say, okay, my body is saying there's something for me to learn from this pain, so I need to, just like you were saying earlier, be present with. I need to sit with this pain and see what it has to teach me and what it is trying to tell me. And it was not easy, let me tell you, to be in that much pain for at least, I'm going to say, two to three weeks every day until I got Every time I got the chinate song, every time I had acupuncture, every time it lessened, but it was still present until finally one day after a chinate song and we did some clearing and all the process like that, it was like, wow, the pain was gone. It was absolutely amazing. And taking that responsibility to look into my thoughts, nobody wants to look there. And that's the only... That's the deepest healing. When people heal of cancer, many times it's because they've looked so deeply within at their thoughts and their feelings and how they're carrying themselves and life and so on. That is so much part of the deep healing. And I think that that's where you see usually what people will do is just make the pain stop. And that's why they'll turn to the pill or the bottle, (laughs) the alcohol. But here's something that happened, Heisey, is that when I first went, I first went to uh, urgent care, uh, urgent care clinic, health clinic here, tra- traditional Western medicine, and I thought maybe it had gallstones or something like that. I didn't know what it was or appendicitis or something. She just tapped on my stomach. She said, no, you're just constipated. And she said, take some Miralax and here's an antispasmodic for you. It'll stop the pain. Well, guess what? Nothing worked. The antispasmodic didn't work. I wasn't going to take the Miralax because I I just wasn't going to do that. But what needed to happen was the ileocecal valve needed to be opened. And once that was opened, things could start to flow. It didn't take the pain away, but it, it facilitated the process. So the medicine wasn't going to work because it wasn't the right remedy at the right time, which was so interesting to me also. Well, it was medicine for the symptom. And it didn't work. Right, because you can't just treat the symptom. (laughs) Right. So this idea of people that are like, you know, just give me something to make the pain stop, it also makes me think of when you were talking about how your body said none of the normal foods that you would think that you needed. And that's like what do people usually do when they're feeling bad? They want to have comfort food. Right. And again, it's food that makes them feel comfortable. It makes them feel better, but usually is not very healthy food. Okay. You know, they just want to eat chips or they just want macaroni and cheese or something like that. And, you know, this I think is another illustration of what 
you went through and how it can really be a good lesson for other people as well is it's not just giving in to what we're craving or what will make us feel better. It's being willing to use or go through what we need, even if it is uncomfortable or painful for a somewhat extended period of time. Now, we're not saying you have to like, you know, lay around in a fetal position for seven months before you ever call the doctor. Right. But, you know, it's it's being willing to accept that the healing process can be painful for a period of time rather than wanting to take something to just mask the pain, which just, I mean, listen to that phrase, because if you look at that in a deeper level, it means the way that most people live is doing anything they can to mask the pain, so they never have to face what is painful or uncomfortable within themselves or in their lives. And this is actually the destruction of all that we're seeing because people aren't willing. They would rather pretend that everything is fine when in truth it isn't. And until we really start looking within, nothing's going to change in the outer. It's just part of that process. And again, it's worth every amount of pain that you've had and all the deep looking at your thoughts, all the letting go of the false beliefs, because the gift at the end is freedom, peace, happiness. And you and you, you talk about the ego, and I think we so often think of the ego and the body as two separate things. And really the body is just the physical form of the ego. So if we look at how we are treating our body and what we are putting into our body, then we can also see how we are feeding and what we are putting into our ego. And then if we wonder why we can't feel happier or we can't let go of anger that we have towards someone, then I say, look at what your body is doing and look at what you're doing and what you're putting into your body because that's the equivalent of your ego in the physical form. And if you change one, it will start to change the other. Absolutely. And what you find happens is that the ego, the mind chatter like that, when you acknowledge and look at the false beliefs and you say, no, I'm not going down that road. No, I'm not going to do that. No, that's not true. However it is that you call yourself present into your thoughts and the mind-made egoic self, it starts to quiet down. It comes into the presence of the heart and it stops that chatter and you find a completely different quality and texture within your inner reality. And again, it's about peace and joy and contentment. And It makes me think of like when people decide they want to try doing like the master cleanse and the first few days is usually when people will give up because yeah. they feel bad or they feel hungry. Yeah. But you wait a week or a week and a half and suddenly people are like, I've never felt so refreshed or I've never felt so alert or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And so, again, it illustrates that these things do take some time and we have to kind of be willing to go through the worst of it. But the worst of it often will get flushed out fairly quickly if we are willing to sit with it and be consistent with it for a period of time. And indeed, because I've been doing this for a couple months now. This has been my own healing retreat like that for a couple of months with, with my healing team. And so you have to realize that it's been a lifetime of programmed, conditioned thoughts 
that have created the body, as you say. And so to think that just in overnight it's going to go away, it's not true. So for me, I was in an emergency when I started working. And in within a couple of weeks, few weeks, the emergency state went away. And then it became, now it was the chronic pattern that had evolved and developed that I'm looking at now and how to transform them and you know I don't know that we ever really get rid of all of our issues but we learn to accept them we learn to see and we build presence through that process so that we don't become swamped over again and go down those dead-end roads well I think that that encapsulates a key word that you had used a number of times which is acceptance yeah. And it's it's the willingness to accept because once you accept something, then you can start working with it versus trying to push it away or thinking that's something bad or I wish that wasn't a part of me or I don't want to go there or whatever. So what what do you think, you know, and I think maybe calling it deep acceptance really is what we're getting to is that deeper level of acceptance. Um, and I'm wondering if you can maybe give a suggestion or two as to how you think people can come to a greater or deeper sense of acceptance and then what it feels like, at least for you, what did that feel like when you gave yourself over and accepted, I'm going to be in pain for a while, but I will allow for it and I will sit with that rather than trying to push it away? So acceptance of what is, is, probably I would say one of the biggest healers of life because all we're always trying to do is change reality it's never good enough if it could only be that way and in that also is another word called called control and and we're always trying to control reality make it different have it be another way look into the future look into the past it is what it is well, even with our bodies, because we're trying to control our bodies, either to right. push through this or get better now, or, you know, we want to take a pill that will force it to get better faster rather than what it needs. So when I could, when I accepted it, when we accept things, the relief in the body, the let go of the body, because there's no more struggle. We're not battling with life anymore. Because when we're not accepting things, we're in battle. And battling with life is always disastrous on, to us. There's no way that we can change what is. It is what it is. And the pain could subside when I could go, okay, this is what I'm going through. It didn't go away, but it changed it because the quality of my thoughts changed by the acceptance. And again, I say the relief is, is the proof of the pudding, so to speak, because there is a quietude and a peace that comes over you by letting go. Any position that we hold is of the ego. I'm right. I know how to do it. And so, you know, done with that. And that is absolutely not the truth. So when the battle ends, peace comes. And I think that's how people can perhaps judge it for themselves. If they feel that they're in battle or fighting something even within themselves, 
then they know they haven't reached a place of acceptance and that's an issue they need to be working around at that moment. Suffering will continue. The suffering and the pain will continue until we accept what is. Right. And when we can deeply do that, and that's through presence, through calling yourself in, through realizing what the mind-made self is, and to see yourself going down those roads, to see yourself lost in the fantasy, it takes practice. It takes a lot of practice because we're not used to checking into ourselves. We're not used to following our mind. We think it's the greatest gift there ever was. And it's good for figuring out math, for making sure you don't step in front of the car. But as far as your thoughts and emotions and feelings, it's not the thing to follow. Well, because it made me think when you said we're, we're so not used to checking in with ourselves, what we're much more used to is finding ways to check out. You know, Absolutely. because people come home from work and what do they want to do? They just kind of want to veg and check out by watching television. Or they just want to go to something that is going to entertain them and distract them. At, or go get drinks with someone. That's why addiction is such a strong thing these days, because life is so hard to look at. And the reason it's so hard to look at is because we have not looked into ourselves first and dealt with what's here. So we're trying to escape. We're trying to, like heroin addiction, you know, all of those things like that is a way to find the mother, to feel the comfort, to feel the womb, to feel that protection to feel those things, but we can't find it in an external source. It and comes e within us. And, and even if it's not that extreme, because a lot of people would say, well, but I'm not addicted to heroin, you know, whatever. Right. You know, right. But, but we, we, a lot of people do it in different ways because they, cause I think people today are just addicted to distraction. They I, just want something, you know, they're, well, let me just see what's going on on Facebook. Well, let me just watch something on television. Well, let me just go out and, you know, or they have 27 things to do every day and night uh, because they don't want to have any downtime. They don't want to have any stopping time. And, you know, that's to me, is just as much of an addiction. It's just not as obvious or right. dramatic I, as, like, heroin addiction or something I, like that. I was using an extreme example, but also to go along with what you say, that's the reason that most people don't like winter, is because winter is a time to be quiet. The earth is at rest. We need to rest. It's a time to look into the darkness. And people are scared to death of that. They don't want to do that. So they keep all their distractions going when a resting period and to sit by the fire and drink tea and ruminate and feel that, it, you know, the Following the seasonality of life is also part of the deep healing as well. Anyway, I definitely agree that we are addicted to distractions, and that's part of the programmed reality that we live in. And, and part of the problem is that we are no longer taught how right. to check in, how to go deeper. You know, there's right. nothing that helps to both teach us nor support us in doing that I mean, there are things available to us, but we have to be much more proactive in seeking those out and then really retraining ourselves or overcoming old conditioning and patterning once we realize we need that rather than it being something that starts at the earliest levels and becomes a natural part of the way that we do things. And I think that that speaks to something else that you had said um, and I wanted to use this to kind of end on cause I, with acceptance and then this, I want to give people a little bit of hope, you know, rather than, oh, no, it's all. Right. Um, but when you, 
But when you talked about the, the sacredness of the body and that we've lost connection to that sacredness of the body, you know, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that really the body has been demonized. Um, you know, and it's only really seen by a lot of people. Most people, I mean, on the one hand, we can see the religious element of this, but I think even on the other side, we can see this because you could say it's the religious versus secular, but both sides do it. The demonization of the body where it's, it's only seen as either a baby-making machine or a vehicle for sex. And there is no recognition of it as something more sacred and something deeper and more profound as to what it has to offer us, the physical body itself. So, you know, what, what do you think is, is something that you could suggest to people to begin reconnecting with that sacredness of the body and understanding how the body, the physical self, not the spirit, not the soul, I mean, all those things are important, of course, but the physical body itself, how we can reconnect to seeing that as sacred and honoring it and working with it in that way? For me, it is to realize that this body is a gift, that it is a miraculous, incredible molecular machine that affords us life, that uh, I have trashed my body so many times, so dishonored it, so pushing through, so saying, oh, you know, forget it, and, and look what happened. So this was a re-learning how to honor and respect the deep wisdom that the body carries, that it knows things, and to understand that the body, again, is the gift through which we experience life, and that if we trash it, we're not going to have a great experience, that if we don't honor it, we're going to be compromised in our health, in our mental state, in our emotional reality. And so... To just take a moment and honor this mystery, this incredible, as I say, miraculous wonder that this is. To me, that, that's, that's what helped. And, and feeling it, feeling it. I mean, what an incredible thing this, this body is. And I think not seeing the body, our bodies, as somehow separate from the body of the earth, the body of the animals, the body of the plants around us, that it's, it's, they're all the physical form of a spiritual essence. When we destroy the earth, we destroy ourselves. As we destroy ourselves, we destroy the earth and all living things. It's all connected deeply, so I so agree. We, we cannot separate ourselves out of the equation anymore. Everything that happens within and without is so deeply interconnected and interdependent. And by seeing that, it also deepens the respect that we have for the body. And then we want to honor it. We want to honor the earth. We want to honor the people and the animals and the plants. It changes the whole perspective. It's a shift in perspective that needs to happen. It's breaking out of the veil. It's breaking out of the programmed, conditioned reality to a deeper truth. To, to an ancient wisdom that has been forsaken for technology to come back down into this truth is what will save us all. Well, thank you very much, Linda, for being willing to spend some time in conversation about something, again, very 
personal that's happened to you over the past few months, but I think not only is it teaching you, but it's also perhaps happening to give you something that then you can help to teach others and, and help to give them a bit of guidance and shine a little bit of light in the darkness for them to find their way down the path to more holistic healing and more holistic living and a more holistic existence for themselves. So I, I thank you for that. And I want to encourage everyone listening to stay tuned because coming up, uh, Linda will be back to give us a couple of tips for the month uh, as well as a couple of recommendations if you're looking for something to read or watch or listen to or something like that uh, for being able to live well in her Living Well segment. Uh, and then, of course, after that, we will have our call-in segment where you can receive a reading uh, here on the air. And if you'd like to get in the queue for that, just give a call to 646-716-5510. And you can call in, press number one, and you'll get into the queue in order to receive a reading. You can also Skype in from the show page. So stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. listening to Revolution with host Heisey Lutmers on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at facebook.com slash revolution with Heisey. Enjoy the show. I'm Linda Wiley, and this is Living Well with Linda. Your monthly guide to the well-being of your body, mind, and spirit. It's about an alternative approach to life, healing, and living well in our changing world. Let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. a return to this understanding of the truth of food and the value of food within our lives. Our body is a machine for living. It is organized for that. It is its nature. Let life go on in it, unhindered, and let it defend itself. It will do more than if you paralyze it by encumbering it with remedies. Leo Tolstoy, War and Peace. To realize our connection with all of life and the plant and animal kingdom and how we support and help each other in our process. I am Linda Wiley and this is Living Well with Linda. Yes, so thank you for that, Heisey. That was really fun and I enjoyed it and, and I indeed hope that it's learning the process 
that's the most important thing, to not be afraid of the process and to move forward through it. So thank you very much. So some tips. I have a couple of books, one about food, and one is called Conscious Eating by Gabriel Cousins. It's more raw food oriented, but it's a deep classic, and it has lots of scientific information. It's a, it's a really great book, and it helps you to find your body type in the Ayurvedic tradition. And sometimes knowing our body type really helps with food and sorting things out and what's right and so on and so forth. And still muscle testing is appropriate, but it's a wonderful book. And then I just got this new book. It's called Perfect Health Diet. Regain health and lose weight by eating the way we were meant to eat. So much is changing about a food philosophy. This and a few other people are saying now that we need to eat, our diet should look like this, 70 to 75% quality fat, which means grass-fed butter, coconut oil, olive oil, those kinds of things like that. Even bacon, organic bacon, which we used to think was terrible, actually turns out to be something that can be quite beneficial. I mean, look at the Eskimos. Half of their diet was fat to keep them healthy. They didn't have heart disease. So anyway, it's a very interesting book. So it's fat, then uh, a moderate amount of quality protein, nuts, seeds, eggs, meat, like that, and then fruits and and vegetables, and we do need some carbs in there, but they're a more minor part of our body. So those are two that I would recommend about food. Conscious Eating by Gabriel Cousins, then uh, Perfect Health Diet. Regain health and lose weight by eating the way we were meant to eat. And then for the inner process, while I was going through mine, I read two books. They were absolutely wonderful. One is called Falling Into Grace by Adi Ashante, Insights on the End of Suffering. It's so excellent. It's a deeper look within, as I said, and that's what this was all about. The other book is um, The Freedom of Being, at Ease with What Is by Jan Frazier, another deep look about how to accept what what is, how to listen to the mind, how to recognize when the attack of the ego is coming and the chattering is going on and you're lost in a trance. And a, another book is The Dream Book by Betty Bethards. It might be out of print. You, you can probably get it. But it's the best interpretive book on dreams that I found. So many books say, oh, you know, you dream this, you'll have good luck, and uh, like that. This is a deep understanding of the symbols in life and how to interpret them. Even if it's not in a dream, if something's coming up in your outer life all the time, like for me, I'll look in the dream book and see what that might mean. So it's a, it's a, a little guide along the way. And then... Uh, Tips. As spring is right around the corner, look within to see what you want to birth forth in the fertile soils within that has been cultivated by looking within this winter. Prepare this inner landscape with love and attention and intention. Know that we cannot separate ourselves out from the equation any longer. There is no blame. There is nobody else to take responsibility except you. Take responsibility for your part then in this grand unfolding. Know that each of us counts and that we are indeed life itself. Now that is a big clue 
to understand that we are life itself. Talk about honoring the body and talk about honoring ourselves and what that is. Life right here, right now. Set yourself free. See how life becomes more than you could ever imagine by looking at life in this way and understanding what we truly are. So I would like to end with a little poem here. It's uh, by John O'Donohue, and it's called For a New Beginning. In out-of-the-way places of the heart, where your thoughts never think to wander, this beginning has been quietly forming, waiting until you are ready to emerge. For a long time it has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness growing inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety and the gray promises that sameness whispered, heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent, wondered why you always chose to live like this. Then the delight when your courage kindled and you stepped out onto new ground, your eyes young again with energy and dream, a path of plentitude opening before you. Though your destination may not yet be clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease and risk. Soon you will be home in a new rhythm, for your soul senses the world that awaits you. And remember, it's only a dream. It's only a dream. It's only a dream. Thank you for joining me today for this segment of Living Well with Linda. I'm Linda Wiley. If you would like to chat further with questions, comments, or consultations, please contact me at linda at prestia.com. Thank you and blessings to all. Blessings to all. Have a great rest of the day. A personal tarot reading can offer you insight, information, enlightenment, and empowerment along your life's path. Hi-C is a professional tarot conversationalist and ritualist with over 10 years' experience. He's available for readings in a variety of formats, including parties and events. To schedule your personal tarot reading, contact Hi-C at tarotbyhi-c.net or email him at hic at fireflywillows.com. And I'd like to once more thank Linda Wiley for having joined us today and having been willing to share her very personal story of what's been happening. Hopefully you found something in that that might make you think 
might give you a different perspective on how to approach not only your body, but also when it is in pain or in sickness and what it might be trying to tell you or how it might be trying to speak to you that sometimes we are not willing to listen to or we have become disconnected from being able to hear in that way. Uh, and I hope that as we move through the year uh, that you will continue to cultivate your relationship with your body so that you can understand the language that it has for you so that you can be in better communication with it and be in better balance and alignment with it. Um, and if we think about this month, uh, at least in the United States, February tends to be the month that's thought of as the month of love, simply because we have Valentine's Day that's celebrated. And I would encourage you on this particular Valentine's Day to perhaps write your body a love letter, to perhaps think about how you are in relationship with your body and how you can love your body more and how your body actually loves you and sometimes is expressing that love by putting us into a state of discomfort or dis-ease in order to help us move into a healthier place, in order to deal with the deeper things that may be causing it to have issues and to not be in proper alignment and balance so that it can serve us as fully and effectively as it wants to for us. But sometimes we get in the way of that and the body getting sick can maybe just be its frustration at us getting in our own way for what it can do for us and what it has to offer us when we are living in greater harmony with it. So let this be a month and a Valentine's Day in which you really think about how you are loving yourself and your body. And if what you are doing to it, feeding it, how you are treating it, if you are doing those things lovingly, and if what you are putting into it is filled with love, or if you are putting things into it or doing things to it that perhaps are not the most loving, and therefore perhaps use this as an opportunity to begin to redefine that relationship, to work on that relationship, to deepen that relationship. So I want to thank you for listening today. And I thank everyone who has helped to make today's show uh, what it was. My co-hosts for the round table, John Carousella, Mildred Lynn McDonald, and Deb Carousella. Uh, for our astrology update, my thanks to Tino Kalenda. And of course, to my guest, Linda Wiley, who also each month is here to offer our Living Well segment. I look forward to having you join me again next month. Revolution with High C airs every month on the second Sunday of each month. And so if you feel so inclined, I would encourage you to join me uh, again a month from now in March, on Sunday, March 9th, uh, for our show. And if you've ever uh, wanted to listen to a past show or um, maybe wanted to re-listen to a guest or something like that, you can always find past shows in the archives here on Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com slash Firefly Willows Live, or you can find us on iTunes. Just search for uh, Firefly Willows Live and you'll find our podcast there with all of the shows that uh, air here on Firefly Willows Live. And I would also invite you to join me and my co-host, Charlene Harrington, this coming Tuesday for our show, uh, The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist. Uh, we're going to have a 
all call-in show. It's a live reading extravaganza on love, sex, and relationship. And we encourage you to call in for a reading. We encourage you to call in and offer us your stories and anecdotes about love, about sex, about relationships. Um, if you are searching for the one, call in and get a reading. We can help you figure out when and where and how you might go about finding that. If you are trying to have a healthier or a more passionate or a more active sex life, feel free to call in. We're happy to offer suggestions and do a reading to see how you can do that. And if you're in a relationship and want to reignite the passion or take the relationship to the next level, call in. We're happy to do a reading to see how you can do that in the most healthy and effective way and most loving way for everyone involved in the relationship. Um, so that airs this coming Tuesday, February 11th at 8 p.m. right here on Blog Talk Radio on Firefly Willows Live. And I would encourage you to tune in for that as well. So thank you very much for joining me today. And I will look forward to having you join me again here, if not Tuesday, then perhaps next month in March for Revolution with Heisey. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Carousella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist with Heisey Ludmers and Charlie Harrington, Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Oh, 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 o